Hey guys, before we get stuck into today's episode, I want to thank the sponsor of the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast, and that is Unify Health Supplements. Unify have the most premium, high-quality, science-backed products on the market in Australia today, and you guys can use the code TFLP to save 10% off your next order at unifyactive.com. Unify has a range of products, including whey protein isolate, plant-based protein, a pre-workout, creatine monohydrate, and their best-selling product, the Hydration Formula. So again, use that code TFLP to save 10% at unifyactive.com. Hey guys, my name is Nathan Chan. I'm the CEO founder and welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. Welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Kennedy, and I'm here to help you become the very best version of yourself. Nathan, welcome to the show, mate. It is an absolute pleasure to have you on. Uh, before we hit record, obviously, I was mentioning that I've been a big follower of your content and your business and all the great stuff you've been doing for a long time now. And um, you've definitely been up there and on the list of guests that I've been really keen to get on. So firstly, just appreciate your time and thanks for coming on. Oh, thank you so much for having me, man. It's a pleasure to be here. It's so good to just do these kind of shows in person, right? Oh, it's 100%. So I think especially after, obviously, the, the two or three years of of not being able to do it in person now any chance we get it's like has to be in person like you can't do these zoom ones anymore online but uh, mate i wanted to flip the script a little bit here Mm -hmm. and i'm going to start this thing off by asking you how did you get your job (laughs) it's a good question (laughs) yeah you know it's funny (laughs) i used to say that for many years and it always used to throw people off and i liked the reaction but then I got enough shit about it from our listeners <laughs> that I now say, how did you get your job, a.k.a. how did you find yourself doing yeah. the work you're doing today? So um, how did I find myself doing the work I'm doing today? Honestly, I fell into it. Um, I met someone before, like a new friend, and uh, I said, how did you get started? Really, I think a lot of people start businesses with this idea and intention in mind. They're going to start a business. They want to build something massive. They want to make a ton of money or they want to create this product or service that changes lives. For me... Um, I had a genuine curiosity around entrepreneurship because a lot of people had started, I, I, not a lot, I started to hear these stories of, of people who were killing it, mm-hmm. like starting these online businesses, right? This is 10 years ago now. Yeah. And I was just naturally curious, like how the hell are these people doing it? And at the time I was working in IT support. Uh, it wasn't a fulfilling career for me. I used to, uh, for me, for whatever reason, I didn't enjoy it. I didn't. I used to crawl under people's desks to fix their computers, or like people would call me up and say, "Hey, Nathan, my password doesn't work." And yeah. and for whatever reason, it wasn't fulfilling to me. Um, so I, I had a marketing degree, and and I just somehow kind of decided that this. I had to make a change. I had to find work that I was passionate about. So I was really interested in in business. I was really interested in entrepreneurship, and I started to hear these stories, and I started to. Read books like Tim Ferriss' Four Hour yeah. Work Week, and so I knew that there was something here. I had a genuine curiosity to find out how these people are doing it. So I started interviewing people, um, and I start I started this concept of starting this digital magazine. It wasn't even called Founder at the time; it was called Key to Success. And what I realized after doing a few interviews is like, there's so much gold here. I need to mm. share this with people through this magazine. And that's what I started to do. So I launched this little digital magazine as an app on the App Store and Google Play Store. And, uh, you know, to use the software, it cost me 2000 US dollars. I couldn't afford it at the time. I was uh, working in IT support. I was making probably like 40, 45 grand a year. And I just put that purchase on my credit card. And I just started making this, this app, pulling it together, using the software, making this magazine, publishing it. I had mm-hmm. no idea what I was doing on the front cover of the first edition. Uh, we didn't even have a successful person. It was this stock image. And I launched it. And that was March 5th, 2013. So we literally just had our 10th birthday the other way. Oh, unreal. Congrats. Yeah, thank you. And uh, I launched it and I was like, wow, I, I love this. Uh, and I, I started to really fall in love with the process. And I really started to believe that, uh, you know, I need to share these stories and keep telling these stories of, of everyday people like you or I that are, that are no different to you or I that just started something with a dream and how the hell they were doing it, particularly with an online business, some mm-hmm. form of using the power of the internet. Yep. And uh, the rest is kind of history. 
That's incredible. And I mean, obviously you have, you have added value to millions of people over that, over those 10 years and it's evolved massively in terms of what you're doing on a day to day and the products that you're delivering and whatnot. What do you think have been, you know, for someone that looks at yourself now and I guess not obviously not the final product, but they look at year 10 and yeah. obviously uh, I think comparison is such a brutal thing for a lot of people when they are first starting out. So, you know, you back in, um, what was it, 2013 um, starting out, they look at someone's year 10 or someone's year five or whatever and they see how things are and they, they aspire to that. But for someone that has followed your journey, what are some of the things that, have been quite difficult that people may not have seen through social media or, or in interviews and whatnot where you haven't maybe shared it or things that people don't really take into consideration? Yeah, so look, um, I think when you're starting a business and you you don't have a, a business partner or another founder, or you, you don't have a co-founder, um, I think it's a very lonely journey. Mm. Um, and I think when it comes to like the highlight reel, that's what people always show. Yeah. And for me, you know, I could sit here and talk for days and I'll share some stories openly and honestly. Like there have been times where things have been so tough because I've pushed it so hard to try and grow this business because we have such a a crazy vision of becoming a global leader of supporting and creating Mm. entrepreneurs. Like how can we become like the next Forbes, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so I've pushed it so hard and there's been times where I've pushed it so hard that it's literally broke me. Like I've woken up crying Mm -hmm. because I don't, I don't want to go to work because it's so tough. It is so brutal. And these are the things that like I reflect on now and it's like I'm grateful that happened, but the highs are high and the lows are low. Mm. Um, So it's a very lonely journey, especially when you're a solo founder. Uh, There are times where you don't, feel like working because it's so tough now that that hasn't that hasn't been like a continuous thing yeah but there there was a period there's there. waves of yeah, it yeah there was a period there like where i was just like wow like am i going to get through this mm-hmm. um i experienced burnout like extreme yeah. burnout that i used to wake up in the middle of the night with my heart beating really fast and i was thinking about work and i didn't want to go to work um you're under a lot of pressure as well, right? Nobody mm. talks about that pressure. Like, you know, we have like... Especially as it grows. Yeah, yeah. We have like over 60 staff now. That's full time. That's not including like outsource mm. or like all like contractors. Like we have a lot of people in this business. And, you know, I take that commitment very, very seriously. Like we're, we're you know, responsible for that person's livelihood, right? Mm. So um, there's a lot of pressure there. That can be quite scary. And you get used to it and the muscle builds and... And like you, it doesn't get, it, it definitely get, you, it It still always gets tougher, but you get better, right? Yeah. The problems get harder, but you get better. Yeah. And you adjust to being able to deal with it and put to get tools in the yeah. toolkit of being able to get through it. Yeah. 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 And you know, it's, it's, it's another one of those things as well with people, right? Like businesses are built by people. Mm. And I know it's a simple, simple idea, but this is how businesses grow. And, and it's your job as a CEO or, or as a founder or co-founder or, you know, you started this business, it's your job to find the very best people you can. And oftentimes people are going to let you down, mm-hmm. right? There's going to be people that tell you something to your face saying, hey, Nathan, I'm in this for the long haul. And then when things are tough, people start falling. Yeah. Right? Or, hey, what's happening here? Like, you know, we, we, this is the target. This is what we said we're going to get to. Like, is there anything I need to help you? And when I get there and it's like this yeah. is the uncomfortable stuff that nobody talks about mm. and I'm happy to keep going for days about this yeah. but like um, these are some of the things that you don't hear about and you just look at the highlight reel you look at all the founder magazine covers all the people we've interviewed you look at the growth of our platform you yeah. look at the size of the people that um, yeah, like the, the size of our audience or community mm-hmm. you look at um, you know it appears like I'm having fun all these different <laughs> things right I'm not yeah I'm not one to I'm actually a very private person yeah. so I don't really tend to talk about um, or, or showcase like just the highlight reel or, or just the, the low stuff like I didn't really showcase much at all I yeah think, yeah yeah is that something that you look back on now and Maybe you do, maybe you don't. Wish there was some form of documentation, even for for the benefit of other entrepreneurs or even yourself, of being able to go through. Like, look, in this period, even though I didn't share it at the time, this is something that I had to get through. And you know, people don't see this type of thing. Yeah. So, look, 
Of course, of course, I wish I documented yeah. every part of my journey because I think it'd just be cool to look back on, mm. right, and, and to share that with people. It's a lot of work though, right, and yeah. it's always an opportunity cost. You know, I think yeah. sometimes people look at Gary Vee and what he's done with his personal brand mm. and it's just like, oh, well, I'm just going to model that. I'm just going to follow that yeah. Gary Vee playbook. Um, but, yeah, it's it's an interesting one, right? Like I was talking to somebody about this the other day, like, there's this thing called situational stage advice, right? Mm -hmm. And in certain situations, that advice you might hear or get might not apply to you. Yeah. So when Gary Vee started having people follow him around and vlog and document his whole journey, he'd already been in business for like 10, 15 years, mm -hmm. built a massive business, and then he was going to go again. Yeah. Right? So with, with uh, you know, Vanya Media. So yeah. Um, yeah, I wish I had a documented it all, but at the same time, would have that been realistic with everything else I have going on? Mm. Right? And in terms of priorities, it's it's quite down, quite far down the list when you've got things like actually building the business and, and keeping that momentum yeah, going at the time. Model out yeah, getting proof of concept and getting product market fit mm -hmm. and building our leadership team. Like these are the things that. Yeah, that, that really builds this engine of yeah. what we're trying to build, right, and, and gets us closer to the vision. And we're still pretty far away from it, right? So it's only now, to be honest with you, Danny, that I'm just kind of like, all right, what's the plan with the Nathan Chan personal brand? It's only now mm. where we actually have a plan and we haven't even started <laughs> executing on it yet, right? But before that, me, Nathan, as the leader and the face of founder, it's just been purely organic mm -hmm. out of pure necessity. Like I, I'm actually naturally quite a really shy person mm -hmm. and I never thought I'd be doing this kind of stuff, man. Yeah. Never. Uh, I, I like I like to connect with others. I like to have good conversations, but I never thought I'd be on the camera, all mm -hmm. these different things uh, and putting myself out there as much as I do. And maybe – if I didn't start founder as a totally different business, I, I probably wouldn't be doing this. I've done it because I've had to. Yep. And I've I've fell in love with the process along the way. That's awesome, man. And you mentioned obviously people and then also the fact that you yourself are quite shy. Do you think different personality types, let's say extrovert and introvert, how big of a role does that play in, I guess, the pathway of a founder or a CEO or an entrepreneur in terms of where they push their business or what they are kind of like how often they're putting themselves in front of camera or on a microphone and whatnot like how much of a role do you think personality type plays in the success of an entrepreneur I think you need to play to your strengths and I think you need to have that self-awareness mm -hmm. right um so there are some founders that probably and this is this is interesting actually a lot of people have the title CEO, like I, you know, I'm the CEO of founder, but like in the first, you know, two, three, four, five years, like you're not really the CEO. Yeah, right? Like, like yeah. have you met successful CEOs? Yeah. Like, like proper executives, yeah. like incredible leaders. Like, so you're not really a CEO, yeah. you're a self appointed CEO. It's quite so a big contrast between yeah, two. Yeah, that's right. So you're really just a founder, right? And there's a big difference between somebody that's a founder, somebody that's good at starting something, getting a bit of traction, creating it, molding it, bringing it to life, and then actually being a CEO, like a mm -hmm. people leader. And I think sometimes founders or people that start things, they're not meant to be CEOs. Yeah. Right? They're not meant to lead people. Mm -hmm. And – that's been something that I've wrestled with myself for a very, very, very long time. And I always thought, well, it had to be me. And I think, you know, now I'm coming more open to the idea of around, oh, well, maybe, you know, I, I don't know this answer, but maybe, yep. hey, maybe what would it look like if I brought in somebody that became the CEO, not me, mm. right? And I, I tell you this because you, you talk about kind of introvert versus extrovert. I think founders or entrepreneurs they have to play their strengths yeah. and if you're a naturally introverted person and you struggle on all this stuff when it comes to being on camera and it doesn't matter if your brand you don't have to be the face of your brand it doesn't matter then then you should play to your strengths of what you're really yeah. strong at if you're an extrovert but you don't need to for your business then maybe you don't have to it just comes down to i think playing to your strengths and i think having that self-awareness to double yeah. down on what you're really strong at 
yeah, I think self-awareness and for a lot of people as well, particularly if it's, you know, it's like their baby, they've built it up. It's almost like an ego thing as well for a lot of people. The fact that they might be staying in a certain position, even though for the betterment of the company or whatever it may be, it's quite clear that someone else should potentially step into that role as well. Yeah. So look, as founders, a lot of the time uh, we tie a lot of our identity into these yeah. businesses that we start and create. And it's, it's really scary that thought of like, hey, what if I'm not the leader? What if I'm not in charge? Um, when, when you think of, sorry to cut you off, when you, your vision of founder, let's say in another 10 years time, yeah, is your vision to have Nathan Chan and founder tied together or as in, or would, or would you be happy to have founder a thing on its own and Nathan Chan? Yeah, so look, um, the way I view it is every iconic brand tends to have a leader like Richard Branson to yep. Virgin, Elon Musk to Tesla. So I'm happy to be the leader mm. and the face of the brand and continue to drive that of this movement that we're creating. So that's kind of how I view view that. But coming back to like playing to your strengths, mm-hmm. um, to answer your original question, like extrovert, introvert, playing to your strengths, like – it's taken me a long time, honestly, to work out like what I'm really good at and what I'm not. And you have to be vulnerable enough. You talk about self-awareness. You have to be vulnerable enough to ask others, ask your peers, ask people around you like, hey, what do you think I should be doing? Where do you think I should be spending my time? Mm-hmm. What am I really good at? And, and having relationships with people that will give you the raw, honest truth. Yeah, instead of just yes, man. Yeah, they, that, that, that's right. The other side of that needs to be those people have to have that, again, level of vulnerability and courage to also tell it how it is, knowing that it's for the betterment of you and for the for the company. Yeah, that's right. How do you build an effective team, man? Yeah. Great teams are built off trust. How do you build trust? You have hard conversations. Mm. That's full on. I mean – I think for a lot of people, and obviously you've already touched on this already, but for a lot of people that, as you said, look at the the highlight reel, it's just something that doesn't even come into consideration, like the hard conversations, the difficult times, the big decisions, the responsibility of making these decisions and whatnot. For someone who is either a solopreneur or entrepreneur or founder or whatever stage they may be at within their business, do you have a guideline around timelines on when trying a new idea or a new a new product or potentially even a business itself, the difference between staying consistent and being patient and to the point where it's just not going to work? Yeah, so look, I don't have a, a hard, hard and fast rules or an exact guideline, but all I can talk to is my experiences. Mm-hmm. So um, in early days founder, I went real crazy and – once we got a bit of traction with the magazine, I'm like, all right, now let's create this book. All right, let's do this course. Let's do this. Let's do that. Let's let's launch this membership product. And and it was just too much. Like and and I let my desire and love to create things complicate the business and the business model. Right. And it was only through maturity, and this is something that I've noticed amongst early stage founders, and and it's a, it's a rite of passage. This I've noticed from my experience and my own experience, and seeing from others, there's this rite of passage that you go through around focus mm-hmm. and understanding that you could, yes, you create could create this product, or you could launch this other business or this other line under this business. Or you could just continually focusing on what is your core and what you're known for. Mm. And there's always trade-offs, whatever you do. Yeah. And one of my weaknesses is I always think things can be done faster, cheaper, and easier than it actually takes. Right. So then in the early days, to answer your question, from my experience, I was launching all these different things and it was just a mess. It was Mm. an absolute mess. And then – the thing is as well, right, like when you're the leader, everybody wants to keep you happy, right? right? Yeah. And they're not going to tell you how it truly is oftentimes unless you cultivate these really strong relationships yeah. with your team. And so then you end up into this absolute mess where you're, where you're not mastering anything. Um, and that's what I found in the early days with Founder. Then I started a second business um, just uh, 
for fun really and and really my um now ex uh she she ran it it was called healthish so it was a time marked water bottle yeah i remember that and uh that did really, really, really well. And I took those lessons that I took from the early days founder of having different heaps of products, all sorts of things, and doing 101 different things. And we just focused on one SKU and one channel or a couple of different channels. And the business did very, very well for a very, very long time. Now, we now sold it. But um, I think there's no hard and fast rules, but I think um, it's a common trait that I see amongst early stage founders that they lack focus. Mm-hmm. And I think if you can just keep things simple simple is good yeah and now these days i'm still trying to rewrite some of our old wrongs right like you look at like what we're doing now with founder we're really doubling down on our online education platform so it's called founder plus that's our that's our membership Mm -hmm. so we still sell all of the courses individually but then you can also sign up to the membership sometime this year we will only sell founder plus that would be our only product yeah. because I just want it to be simple. Mm. And every single course, every single new course that we put out, that will be kind of like a beacon to go, hey, we've got this new course out, but you can only access it, Find up, sign up to Founder Plus. So I think of now with the stuff we're doing with Founder, like Netflix. Mm-hmm. Netflix has one product. Yeah. Right? And they're very, very, very good at that one product. And now our job is how can we create more incredible courses and content like a squid game yeah, because that's going to be the beacon to bring a lot of members to our platform. And so every Mm. individual course, it serves as purpose to add value to the platform, but not to be a single sold entity or product. So it simplifies the model. Mm. So these are just, this is just one example, right? So I'm always now where I can, I'm always trying to keep things simple, not overcomplicate things because, you know, when you start, other lines of business when you add other products it really complicates things and it takes a long time like a great example is like when uh steve jobs came back to apple the first thing he did was he slashed most of the products Mm. they they had so many different products and he just slashed them all and he said we're going to go back to our core and so i think oftentimes it's easy to get lost and not focus on your core business and and oftentimes when businesses go up and they go down, oftentimes you'll find, uh, I think they talk about it in uh, Good to Great by Jim Collins, oftentimes they've lost focus. These companies lose focus and they forget who they truly are and they're not focusing on the core. Um, But then it's a fine balance too because you can become too over-reliant on that core. Like you look at Netflix, now they're competing with the likes of Disney Plus and all these other providers and now they've had to insert advertising. They probably should have been doing stuff sooner to diversify. Right. I don't know if that's the answer. It's a massive business, mm. but there's a fine balance. You know, I think I look at the Apples or the Amazons of the world and you look how diversified they are. So how do you truly know when to start a new line of business or a new product or a new service? I don't think there's a hard and fast rule, but I think market size is a good one. Like if, if you're playing at serious scale, like yeah. market size is a good one and, and size of opportunity. But then also you like just the strategy and the focus that you have with your group, like your, your yeah. team, like that, that's key as well. I think, you know, um, for us, uh, we use a – it comes back to your goals too, right? Like, mm. so for founder, we could start many different things, right? Like I could start a fund tomorrow. We could yeah. start, um, you know, we could we could find a company that we partner with and we can we can provide access to capital if we wanted um, and white label, a, a, yeah. you know, a service like that. Uh, we, could, we could start a software business. There's so many different things we can do to help, uh, you know, fuel an entrepreneur's growth and, and help them, you know, create a better future. Mm-hmm. But- it comes back to your strategy and your goals, right? Yeah. So you have to keep going back to your strategy. You have to be go- keep going back to your goals. You have to be going back to your purpose, Yeah. right? Your purpose of your business, the vision of what you're trying to build. And you use that as your decision blueprint. I think that's really key. So for us, one thing that's been a real game changer in the past year, uh, more so the past six months, because it's really starting to like really get traction, is using the uh, OKR goal setting methodology are you familiar with that no so uh was invent uh, it was really popularized by uh google right so google uh 
the way that they set goals is through this process called OKRs, so Objective Key Results. And um, it's really cool. Uh, I, I don't want to go too much into the details. Yeah, it might be sure. boring for people, but um, it's a goal-setting framework, and that's a goal-setting mm-hmm. framework that we've used the, since the start of last year, but it really started to get adoption across the whole company and the team um, probably in the past six to nine months where it's really started right. to stick. And so you've got your BAU, which is your day-to-day mm-hmm. operating, fulfillment, managing the core, leads, market, all that kind of yep. stuff. And then OKRs is it ties back to your strategy, you know, your one or three-year strategy and the innovations of the yep. like the one, two or three most important things you mm-hmm. need to accomplish in the next three months. Those are the focuses. Right. So then you've got people that are managing the BAU and the day-to-day and mm-hmm. then you've got projects and other team members that are working on these projects, working on building the future to to add value to the entity or the organisation. So as an example for us, um, one of the uh, OKRs we've got is called, uh, it's, it's the project around this idea of the one best way. So we're redoing mm-hmm. all of our infrastructure. We've right. got 101 different tools. We've got keep we've got marrow post we've we used to have pipe drive we have like three different crms we're simplifying it all moving it all right. to hubspot cleaning it all up like we're going to have a subscription management platform so like cleaning up all of our yeah. infrastructure which will then help us with retention mm-hmm. so that's like one of the initiatives and we've got another initiative where we're working on a b2b product right mm-hmm. and it's a kind of like a new potential innovation within founder so then we're not just um helping early stage startup founders but we're helping founders at at another stage of their journey where right. they perhaps have 50 100 200 300 staff and they're they're being trained up through the founder plus platform wow. so you see but see it's a piece of innovation if we had 101 ideas these are the two that we're focused on for this sprint this quarter right okay so to answer your original question around goals and products and yeah. it comes back to your strategy and comes yeah. back to goals and your purpose and vision. There's so many gold nuggets out of just that piece, even in particular, and in in particular, sorry, uh, simplicity. I mean, yeah. that one is something that I only really took on board a couple of years ago. You know, me being um, solopreneur, and, and obviously now I'm starting to gradually build out a little bit, which is awesome. But one of the things I struggled with was just trying to. I was doing everything by myself already, but then at the same time having a million different lanes that I was trying to focus on and, you know, you get overwhelmed, you're spreading yourself too thin and whatnot. And about 12 to 18 months ago, I had this realisation. I was like, I need to strip back and make things, everything as simple as possible and kind of cut back on all the different things I'm doing and focus on a core, whether it be core program, core focus, whatever it may be. And that's been a game changer for me. Um, And I think for a lot of people, it'll help a lot as well because I think we're hardwired a lot of the time to think that, the more we do, the more we'll achieve. I think sometimes, obviously, you need to do a lot of volume, but being able to scale it back to really focusing in on one thing and not spreading yourself too thin can be a game changer. Yeah, I agree, one hundred ten percent. I've been on that path for the past couple of years. I'm not fully there yet, but I feel you, and uh, it makes things easier for everyone. Even mm-hmm. when you have new people coming in the business, like you just yeah. don't want to overcomplicate things. And then if you keep it simple, it's easier to optimize. It's mm-hmm. easier to look at the numbers. It's yeah. easy to refine. It's easy to test. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah, the more you complicate things, the harder it gets, and it's a common thing I see that people do. Yeah. In terms of courses, right? So for someone that's listening or watching at the moment that is either an authority in their industry or they're seen as an expert within their audience, do you think that every single person that is in one of those positions should have a course or should be considering building out a course of some sort, whether it's a real niche topic or whether it's for the broader audience? Do you think it's suitable for everyone? Good question. I don't, I don't think it's suitable for everyone. And I think it, once again, comes back to the goals, the vision, the mm. purpose of what you're trying to build. I also think it depends on the kind of business you're trying to build as well, right? Like I find that, there's kind of two kinds of course businesses. There's the ones where somebody is just doing it for cash flow based purposes, yeah. right? Um, and they've got a personal brand, uh, and they're they're looking to uh, effectively they are a creator, like yeah. a massive movement in the creator economy. A lot of the creators you see now have 
some form of an online course, mm-hmm. right? Because um, they have a community and the community is interested in whatever their domain expertise yep. is and, and they see themselves in the creator. Yeah. Right? So that's why a lot of people enroll in courses taught by personalities or creators or influencers because they see themselves in the creator. Yeah. And unfortunately, this is the unfortunate truth, when people buy that course, something in their mind makes them think that they've already got that result. Something. Like right. Even if it's just a little bit. Yeah. Right? I don't know. I, do you feel that, right? If you buy, if you bought a course on how to, you know, like we've got an Instagram course. Yeah. It's done very, very well. And like, you know, we've got millions of followers on mm-hmm. Instagram, right? If you bought that course, there's a party that's like, yep, I'm one step closer to achieving that yeah. outcome. Right? Interesting. So, so um, coming back to it, if you that that's the one side of the table where if you're a creator and you're looking to you know serve your community mm-hmm. and your community keeps asking you questions around this certain amount of domain yep. expertise, then yeah, you probably should create an online program to mm-hmm. to share your learnings, to share your experiences. Why not? Then there's the other side of I guess creating a course or, or building a course based business on an online education platform, which is more the side where we're trying to go with Founder is how do we build a platform where we're truly democratizing entrepreneurial education, mm-hmm. where we find all the people that we're interviewing, we're getting them to teach and give back on yeah. the platform. And it's our only product, right? It's one product, mm. right? And the more people we have teaching on that platform, the better and better it gets. And the more diverse topics we have and the more complicated or, or not complicated, the more awesome our learning pathways get and all those kinds of things so um those are the two kinds of course businesses so then you kind of have to ask yourself the question do you fall under one of those categories if you don't then i don't know if you should create a course Mm. i I truly don't like if you have an e-commerce business um it might make sense like my friend jake he runs a company called coconut bowls yep and uh a lot of people he found that that like a lot of his community and customers that use the coconut bowls they they, they put smoothies in there so mm-hmm. he did a cooking class or a series of cooking okay. classes yep. and you know when when you buy i think maybe a certain amount of coconut bowls you get access to these classes like uh, i think cool. that, yeah. that's really cool yeah right? it integrates well into the community yeah, yeah 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 so so i think yeah does that answer your question yeah no 100% it does and one more question off the back of that and that's this is probably more for my own benefit i think for someone that has gone down the route of building the course out and let's say i'm just going to use an easy example myself in the fitness industry right yeah. is it more beneficial or it might be case by case to build out a course that is covering multiple topics. So let's say it's like a fat loss course, right? And mm-hmm. within that course, there is 10 different modules and it covers a whole range of different topics. Or would it be more beneficial to create a course for a niche type of subject or topic within that category? For example, like it might be just on the nutrition component of fat loss instead of covering everything in there. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It's a very technical question. Yeah. And I think... It depends on what you're trying to achieve. It mm. depends around comes back vision, vision purpose, strategy, yeah, yeah goals. Yeah. Like, um, it really depends. I can tell you firsthand though that most likely the more specific mm. the topic is, the better the outcome you're going to get. I can tell you that um, the more broader you go, it's harder for people to 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 see why that course is different. Yep, and I think that's the key takeaway. That you know, if I could share any great experiences mm. it's this idea of um have you heard of the concept of having a unique mechanism yes so you look at um for, for the audience p90x yeah right some people might not know what p90x is but like um it was a it was like a fitness program that was i think it did very very well and it was some sort of home workout and there was something unique about this home mm. workout and why it worked. And it had a, a nicely wrapped, unique mechanism around it. Mm. So my recommendation to you is whatever, if you are creating a course, I'd get very, very clear on what that unique mechanism is mm-hmm. and why it is different to anything else out anything there. Else. So like when I think about, and this is not strategic, it comes from uh, the intention of purely creating like, you know, the most badass MBA for founders out there with people teaching that have actually done it, those things. Mm-hmm. 
but inherently we're starting to craft our own unique mechanism. Yeah. You see where I'm going yeah, with this, definitely. right? So so you need that differentiation yeah. when it comes to this because there's a lot of online courses out there. There's a lot of online mm-hmm. programs. There's a lot of people. Let's be honest. There's a lot of people spruiking a lot of stuff, man. <laughs> yeah, fucking and, earth. And, and it's, it's only going to get worse, yeah. right? It's, it's, it's only going to get more crowded. I shouldn't say it's only going to get more worse. It's only going to get more crowded. Mm-hmm. So that would be my recommendation to you. Have a think about what is that unique mechanism. Um, another one in the fitness industry, we talked about P90X. Another one is uh, Grego Gallagher, Kino Body. Yeah. Right? Fantastic, unique mechanism. I think another, uh, another one that comes to mind for me is um, Jeff Cavalier with Athlean X. Don't know that one. Don't know that one? I yeah. think um, – if you, I'll send you the link to him later on. I reckon you would you would find it super intriguing. He's done exceptionally well and – even just like looking at his, his is not even a course to be honest, but his his method of like his marketing system is so simple yet so effective. Just extremely valuable and and good quality videos on YouTube and socials, which directly funnel through to his membership options of programs. And it's just simple, and he's just rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, and he's done exceptionally well with it. But he has that point of difference of you know, different tweaks on exercises, um, really kind of relatable content in terms of the everyday trainer or lifter. Um, and it's done exceptionally well. Yeah, so you need a method, mm. right? You need a unique method that is different, that that obviously works, right? Yep. That obviously works, that is different to anything else out there in the marketplace. Mm. So um, that's what's key when you're creating a course. And that, that's why, that's why, that's how, that's the lens you should use if you do create a course or not, I, I believe. Awesome. On the topic of fitness and I guess physical and mental health, you've obviously already discussed, discussed, sorry, the, the difficulties of running a business and being a founder, a CEO, an entrepreneur, whatever it may be, and the stresses, particularly mentally. Um, is there a certain approach that you take every single day in terms of showing up your best self, whether it is, you know, the, the real popular morning routines or is it uh, physical fitness? Do you focus on your nutrition or meditation mindset type of stuff? Like what have you found has been effective for you personally to allow you to show up each day productive and with good energy and intent? Yeah, so this is a good one. I like this question because I've been on a real journey here, man. So I love it. I'm happy to share. So, um, so I experienced burnout at the start of 2021 mm-hmm. after COVID. Yeah, after still like a really tough lockdown in Melbourne. It was brutal, and uh, I just remember just starting to wake up in the middle of the night, my heart beating really fast, which I talked to you before, and. I experienced that afterwards, but it wasn't so much burnout, but just through pure stress. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was burnout, and because uh, I didn't get to take a holiday through COVID, yeah, and, like, it was just crazy. And um, I then started to feel this incredible anxiety, and I'd never, never experienced that before. Like I've experienced, like everyone, everyone gets anxious yeah, yeah, or yeah. something, but like this. More of a crippling this, type yeah, of anxiety. Yeah, it was yeah. A crippling anxiety. And it took me like, honestly, like a good few weeks to work out what the hell is this? Yeah. Like, why am I feeling this way? And I realized I was burnt out. I didn't even realize it. And that took me down this path to like, ex- like, like just a much deeper sense of self care. Yeah. Um, and I can tell you how I recovered from that burnout. Um, yeah, so, I'd love to hear it. So, it was a bit of a cocktail, actually. So the first thing I started doing, I've always been a big fan of Headspace. I've been using yeah. the app since the early days. I've even interviewed Andy. He, yeah. like, he did like a live meditation on the podcast. It was so cool. Um, so I, But I used to meditate like once a month or like just sporadically. Yeah. yeah. So I started meditating religiously every morning and now it's become habitual. Mm, I'm the same. So um, every morning when I wake up, rain, hail, shine, I'm always like I, I set my alarm mm-hmm. so I have time for meditation. Right. Have and you so, found a style that works best for you? Oh, uh, no, I just keep just guided. I just keep, yeah, yeah, always guided. Yeah, and I yeah. just keep rinsing through all the different headspace cool. ones. Yeah, yeah. So, so meditate every single morning and that's still staying true. That was the first thing I did. The second thing I did is I got a, an, a really experienced executive assistant. So someone that could be like another pair of arms and legs and, and like my right hand, left hand, whatever you want to call it, someone I could partner with mm-hmm. to help me 
drive things forward, yeah. to help manage all the things I've got going on because it was just getting ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the second thing. The third thing was I started to do float tanks. Nice. Um, so the one down here, Beyond Rest. Yeah. Have you ever done that? They're, they're cool. Yeah. I found that to be really Are you powerful. doing those regularly? I stopped now. I yeah. Didn't, I felt like I don't need to do them anymore, but I did them for about six months. And I remember the first time I did one, um, it was so challenging, floating mm. in the water, being by yourself for an hour, yeah, no phone, no nothing, and I, I hated it yeah. and went for so long and I almost didn't go back. And that's when I realised, hey, the I fact that I can't, yeah, the fact I can't even lie here by myself for this yeah. amount, like that's bad, right? So Lean into that discomfort and the unknown. Yeah, yeah. 100%. So I just started doing float tanks. Um, the next thing I started to do was I just started to delegate more and let go. Like mm. you talked about like not giving up control. I went through a phase for a long time within Founder where I, I really got into detail way too much. And to be honest, if I reflect truly now of like what could have grown Founder faster, I should have let go way more. Yep. Shifted accountability to the team. Shifted, just been like, it's not that I didn't trust people. I was just a bit of a perfectionist. Yeah. And I just wanted to do things a certain way. So now, um, yeah, I really start to let go and just not awesome. get involved and just be like, you know what, like this is, is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing I started doing was acupuncture. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, found, I found acupuncture to be really, really good. I started doing Chinese herbs. I found that to be really, really good. Um, Started seeing a therapist again. Right. I hadn't seen a therapist in a long time. And, uh, you know, we talk about health and fitness. You train your muscles. Yeah. Right? For for weights, you need to go to therapy, I believe, to train your mind. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah, I started to go to therapy um, and, and speaking to somebody, which I found really healthy and, and really awesome. Uh, those are the main ones. Those are the main things I did. There were some other little bits and pieces, yep. but those are the main ones that come to mind. And, oh, and I used to optimize my sleep. That was another key one. Brilliant. Made sure that I got at least eight hours and had a predictable time I'd go to sleep. And I'm still on this process of optimizing my sleep. I'm looking Have you used at, Whoop? Nah. I tried Aura Ring. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you what I'm going to go for now. I'm going to get a new bed. I'm going to get a king-size bed. I'm going to get a purple mattress. Purple mattress? Yeah, that's the brand. All oh, right. Next level. I thought you meant color. I was going to uh, say. They, they look next level. <laughs> and then I'm going to get an eight sleep cover. Have you seen them? No, I haven't seen Eight that. sleep. They look so cool. They have, you're able to control your temperature. Wow. Like the temperature. And then, because they say you should go to sleep cold or cooler. Mm-hmm. And then also it has an, a, a vibration alarm. So you don't have an alarm from your phone. So then I'm going to put my phone in another nice. room and then you, and you get gently waken up by a vibrating cool. alarm. And then also what's most important is you can track your deep sleep. Um, REM sleep and, and, and yeah, stuff, yeah. And, and optimize it. So it's, yeah, that's what I'm going to do to take my sleep to a whole nother level. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty focused on my sleep. Oh, Rem. and then I also started doing uh, saunas and spas. Saunas and spas cool. and then dialed up my training. Yeah, like, fantastic. No, actually, I dialed down my training because I was pushing too hard on yeah. training, food, everything. But, yeah, I, I saunas and spas, as many saunas and spas as I could, and also massage, regular massage. So, yeah, just a whole ton of self-care. Yeah. yeah How often are you training? For four days a week now. Nice. Four days a week. But awesome. And you're enjoying it? I love it. I got an injury, though, man, because I tried to layer in boxing and I was training at Chapel Street Boxing and then – yeah, I had this rib slash chest industry. I've had it for like four or five weeks now. Still sore? Uh, no good. Seen a physio? Osteo. Osteo. Yeah, that's where I've got to go. This place rib or something. Oh, no. Anything through those intercostal muscles is brutal. It's yeah. so uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's such tough. an uncomfortable feeling. Yeah. Um, man, I want to be conscious of your time, but I've just got one more question for you. Um, mm-hmm. uh, trust me, I'd love to sit here and just keep talking to you all day and, and hopefully we can – we can do it again sometime soon. But yeah. last one. Hey dude, I can keep, just say no, just off script. I, I can keep going. I told you it's 3.30. I can go until, I think my next appointment is at four. So I can keep going for a, at least another 20. Okay, yep. sweet. Easy. We'll sorry, throw a couple more in then. Yep. Um, next question I had for you, Nath, was you've obviously been able to network and interview with some incredible founders and entrepreneurs around the world and, and just genuinely great people as well. Has there been any that have really stuck out to you? Maybe that you've kind of come into it with no really super high expectations or whatever, but afterwards they've kind of really left their mark on you? 
Yeah, so there's been so many. You know, I've done over like 500. I know, it's crazy, yeah. Um, And I do get this question a bit and I'll tell you something. Because the unfortunate thing is because I'm doing so many interviews all the time, it becomes this huge blur. Like I I literally don't remember (laughs) the conversations I have with people. Really? It's crazy. You have to subscribe to your own podcast and go back and have a listen to it. Yeah, it's terrible. (laughs) It's terrible. And that's – that's telling me that eventually I need to get fully off the tools, right? Where imagine a world where all I'm doing is focusing on my personal brand, just the leadership team with not with only like yep. five or six direct – or it doesn't matter how many direct reports, but just focusing on the leadership team, focusing on strategy, focusing on networking and building the brand, but mm-hmm. like really stepping back, right? Yep. Like that's where I have a lot of time for thinking. Like mm-hmm. thinking is so underrated, mm-hmm. like having like – like you know like warren buffett right yeah all he does is read every day yeah that's all he does he's not he's not in the biz he's not in the operations yeah. he's not like he's not doing meetings all the time like fully pulling back yeah so so yeah the, these interviews are like a huge blur but i can tell mm. you a couple that have um really stood out uh scooter braun i found that one yeah, right. to be really really interesting mm-hmm. um he he'd had obviously done like a lot of deep work on himself of late. I think yeah. um, he had a, a, quite a few significant life changes, uh, and um, personally, I think, and um, yeah, he was very very open, really really awesome. open, insanely vulnerable, um, and uh, he he went to um, this thing called the Hoffman Institute. I'd never heard of it. And I looked it up, actually. They got something going on down in Byron that, that, that practice it. And, um, yeah, he talked about how, uh, you know, his parents are Jewish and he had all these predispositions pushed on him and then he became a certain person and, and uh, you know, he, was, he became Scooter, but now he's Scott. And mm. it was really interesting just hearing he, about his like, life. yeah conditioning and whatnot from earlier age or from stuff that's been kind of pressed on almost like mental conditioning like limiting belief type things or not so much limiting beliefs but i think more who he had to be right who he had to be and the success that he had to achieve yeah and and this idea of never having enough because his parents i think perhaps survived i, I think they either his parents or grandparents i think probably his grandparents survived the holocaust so, okay so yeah he had all these kinds of things that he learned as a child growing up around this was what like never enough like right. and, and and you know always, always reaching for yeah, the next yeah, thing yeah 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 and um i think yeah he, he he's gone for for a big self-discovery journey about all of that wow and and um yeah so, so i thought that was a really incredible interview like this guy he's achieved incredible success yeah. like and he's not your typical founder either right you don't yeah. think a scooter braun like yeah he found justin bieber ariana grande and all these other famous um artists right mm. he's a talent first of all he's a talent ta- he manages talent mm-hmm. um because he's massive talent agency and all he's got tons of different businesses as well going on he's a super smart business dude but you don't think of him as an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was a really cool one. I thought that one was quite fascinating. Um, and then the other one I'll talk about that I really was blown away by was uh, this guy called Rishi Mandel. Um, he created a company in your space called Future. You probably haven't right. heard of it because it's not in Australia, but it's basically the largest personal training app in the world. Right. And this guy, super successful dude, comes out of Silicon Valley, San Fran, and he just builds products. Like, and he's a product guy. And the way that he talked about how they came to finding this product and finding product market fit, and now they're just scaling the absolute crap out of it is insane. And, and it, was, it was really interesting, his take on product development. And he taught me something really, really interesting was that, um, you know, you look at these other apps like Sweat and stuff mm. and then you look at his and you can see why like this this particular guy and, and product is growing so fast and they're destroying all these kind of apps that are just pu- purely doing content because he taught me that people really value when you sell someone's time and the main premise of the app is yeah they've got the content but the main thing is you get linked up to a personal trainer 
and and, right. they, and they help you manage your meal plans and all sorts of things and they check in with you and they hold you accountable. So proper one-to-one. Yeah, proper one-to-one. Wow. And they've somehow made, like they've used technology and AI and all these different things to, to make it a truly integrated experience that the unit economics work out for employing personal trainers while charging a cost-affordable price that it's mass-market enough that they are growing like wildfire. Wow. And so it was just a fascinating interview. Um, mm. So, yeah, th- those two. That's crazy. Is there is there someone in particular that you haven't had a chance to sit down with yet that you would really love to speak with? Oh, yeah, there's heaps. I can um, imagine, yeah. Yeah, look, I'd really love to interview Elon Musk. I'm a yeah, massive for fan. Sure. Um, you know, I'd really love to interview Sarah Blakely. Yeah. Um, I'd really love to interview Oprah. I'd really love to interview, uh, I know he's controversial, but people like Bill Gates or Mark Zuckerberg. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd really like to interview all the, like Jeff Bezos, all these incredibly influential uh, thought leaders in the entrepreneurship space. We're, mm. we're, just, we're just only scratching the surface. Unreal, man. Well, there's there's one more thing I wanted to ask, and this might be a pretty weird question. I don't even know if it's a good or bad question, but yeah. is there something that you wish, whether it be other entrepreneurs or staff members or just people in general, is there a question that you wish you got asked more often? Hmm. <sighs> I don't know, man. I don't know. Um I'm just so wired up, right? Like, and I'm always <laughs> like speaking to people and doing yeah. stuff. Yeah, no, I never really thought about it. All right, not enough people. You know what? There is something. I think a lot of people, when they ask me questions or I do interviews, and I don't do many these days. We're going to start doing more because um, we're having more of a focus on my personal brand. A lot of people don't ask me about. Like they look at the tactics, they look at the end product, they want to pick apart what founders doing now and how we're doing it. But what a lot of people don't ask me about is is the deep work that I did on myself before I even started a business, which I think has really wow. held me in good stead to get mm. me to where I am. And if I didn't do that work, um, I probably wouldn't be sitting here today. Wow. Well, wish I could rewind 30 minutes and ask that question. <laughs> Mate, I appreciate you coming on today. That's uh, I really, really enjoyed this conversation and um, and just having you here is, is awesome as well. As I said at the start, it's, you've been someone who I've wanted to get on the show for a long time and um, I really admire all the work that you've done and continue to do and I'm looking forward to continuing to follow the journey and hopefully staying in touch with you as well. And yeah, just all the best for all, all the, the journeys coming up with Founder and, and all the improvements and everything that continues to evolve with you guys. Um, yeah, congrats and, and good luck. Thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for coming on. And for everyone who has tuned into the episode, whether it is, uh, whether you're listening to this or watching it, if you've taken some value from today's episode, which I am certain that you have, I'd love for you to take a screenshot of this episode, share it up on your Instagram story, tag myself, tag Nathan. Uh, We'd love to hear your feedback um, and share this with a friend if you think they'd benefit from it. Uh, But thank you for tuning in and look forward to chatting to you in the next episode. Welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Kennedy, and I'm here to help you become the very best version of yourself.